Happy Sunday to you, church. It's good to be with you this morning. We're going to be talking about this Eastertide season, which leads us into Pentecost. So for the next few weeks, I'm going to be speaking about the importance of the Holy Spirit, doing something that a lot of churches won't touch today, which I don't understand because there's there's God the Father, God the Son, and God what? God the Holy Spirit. And so we need to know what He represents. We don't need to be afraid or timid when we speak of Him, and in many ways, uh, we don't need to think of Him as the forgotten God, as Francis Chan wrote a book on, and it's a great book. I mean, He is our God. The Holy Spirit's looking to to move through us, move uh, in our families during this time, during this pandemic, and, and even, of course, far beyond that. Last week, I spoke to you about Peter. In Luke chapter 22, verse 60, particularly was my, my main scripture. It's an interesting scripture because it's when Peter denies Christ three times and the rooster crows twice, and both Jesus and Peter hear the rooster and look at one another during that time. Luke is specific that Jesus' eyes looked upon Peter. Matter of fact, he says it this way. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. See, that very moment, those eyes of Jesus found Peter. And Peter probably felt those eyes uh, were disappointed with him, disappointed in him condemning eyes of justice. And as we learned last week, mercy did what? It triumphed over justice. Peter would be restored three times shortly thereafter. They would finally have a conversation, a powerful conversation. Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Tend my lambs, feed my sheep. So the point of last week's message was to show that in our own strength, we're really very weak. A physical strength is is very weak. Uh, humanity strength is very weak. There's got to be uh, Jesus that comes along beside us, within us, behind us, and upon us to do what? To strengthen us in our weaknesses. See, Jesus died that we might live and not live as victims, but overcomers. The promise to the churches in Revelation, all of them have one thing in common, those who overcome. Right, This promise is for the overcomers. And so Jesus came to empower us to be overcomers. The very lips that denied Christ would be the very lips that would preach a sermon 50 days later where 3,000 souls would be added and the church would gain its birth. It would start. See, Jesus makes it clear that up until now, I've done it with you. I've changed water into wine with you. I've walked on water with you. I calmed the storm with you. I healed with you, but I want you to know something. Now I am moving into you. And that's through the power of his Holy Spirit. See, the Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover. Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit blows through, right? And the church really is birthed during that time. And and Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover. It's seven weeks of seven days, which is 49 weeks. It sounds like a prophecy of Daniel, doesn't it? But we don't have time to talk about that prophecy right now. See, but the 50th day, there's 49 weeks that have gone by, but the 50th day begins in the eighth week. And the number eight means new beginnings. Now, here's the thing about new beginnings. Most of us need a new start today. 
We want to see a new beginning in our life. Some of us are afraid life is turned upside down for us. Many of us don't feel strong at all. We just need some reassurance. We need to be comforted during this time. We need to know that it's going to be okay. I mean, where is Jesus in the midst of this pandemic? Well, in John chapter 16, verse 5, but now I'm going to to him who sent me. This is Jesus speaking. I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. And some of us live in sorrow right now. But listen to this scripture. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So there's a promise here of a comforter who's coming, a helper who's coming, an advocate, depending on which translation you're reading. The truth is, is that, that God is here and he's not just among us now. He is in us. We are known as the temple of the Holy Spirit. So some of you are, are, well, all of us are going to leave basically three ways right now. We're either going to leave here amazed. We're going to either leave here perplexed and uh, possibly bewildered. And then some will simply mock at this very message today, talking about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. But that's not unusual because if you look at when the Pentecost story happened, Acts chapter 2, then you will see that's how the people there understood and that's how they, they left. One of those three or four ways. Let's read it. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, church, this is why we don't forsake of the gathering of God's people, right? Right now, we're in a time where, of course, we have to do church this way, but a day's coming. And here, they're all together, and notice what happened. Suddenly, a sound like a blow, like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 5, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues is what they said. And then down to verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. So once again, we see where some were amazed, some were perplexed and bewildered, and some mocked, which is exactly oftentimes how the Holy Spirit is perceived today. Now in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, uh, Peter addresses this. He preaches to 3,000 people. The church is birthed through this movement. Now if Peter didn't feel restored, if Peter were relying still upon his own power, this wouldn't have happened. 50 days prior to this, he had denied Jesus as the Christ. Matter of fact, through cursing and cussing, he proclaimed that he didn't even know him. But now he is empowered in Christ. Somehow, some way, this wind, this move of God was caught by the people. The church would be born. Jesus with us, Jesus in us, Jesus upon us. Think with me for a moment how crazy it sounds when we just talk about what we believe as Christians. 
Just stay with me here, church, because it's one thing to believe in Jesus. And now we're saying, wait a second, we believe in his spirit, that his spirit's here. But, but think about what you believe with just Jesus, about Jesus being your, your savior. That God embodied the flesh and came to us on a human level, was born to a virgin Mary. I mean, he was a descendant of David, which is amazing. David came along, what, a thousand years prior to Christ? And we believe this, that God in human form, that at 30 years of age would begin a ministry that only lasted three years and it continues to change the world today. That, that he suffered a burial, a death in, at the hands of, of the Romans, right? And he was placed in the grave and a giant stone was rolled upon that grave. And yet on the third day, the stone would be rolled away and Jesus was raised from the dead. And we go around and we say, yeah, we believe this. He at one time walks, what, seven miles to Emmaus with holes in his hands, holes in his feet, a hole in his side. And yet he never complains. We believe this, church. He's caught up in the clouds. His ascension happens and he sits at the right hand of God. And we say, we believe that. And now he enters a new realm of existence for us in, in some ways, uh, the spiritual realm, right? And Jesus is no longer limited by the flesh, but he's in spirit and that spirit indwells his temple. It empowers his temple, which he has moved from a physical place to us. He's in us and we say, we believe this. You can see why it really does take the spirit of God to bring people to himself. An experiential uh, time with God. And, and as we read this and as we study the age of the Spirit, which is what we live in, then it's the age of power in which it impacts not only us as individuals, it impacts His church to be Christ for a world that desperately needs Jesus. You know, some of you are, are watching on your couches, on your sofas, in your recliners this morning. And, and here's what we need to, to know this morning is that, that, that look, um, many people's dreams die on the couch, dying. So I wished I would have, I, I was going to, I was getting, look, when we surrender to Christ, then he empowers us. When we yield ourselves to Christ, he empowers us. He engulfs us with his Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter one, verse four, on one occasion while he was eating with them. Now I want you to see this is just on one occasion. This helps explain uh, John's account of breathing upon the disciples or breathing upon the apostles and, and telling them to receive the Holy Spirit. This is just one account. He's eating with them. He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They're told to wait upon the Holy Spirit, right? Meaning that everything we have and we will receive from Jesus comes to us through the power and the presence of His Spirit. He is in all, through all, and over all. Right here, right now, ever since the new covenant, which we spoke about last week, and it's being fulfilled, it has been fulfilled right now, God is with us in spirit. A couple of things. First, we recognize how difficult it could be for someone to accept the gospel, just Jesus, according to uh, what we believe in Christ, what I just talked about. And, and the second, that we need the Spirit to help us 
teach us, to show us and reveal to others the truth of God, who He is and how much He loves the world and how much He has given for this world in order for this world to not just know Him, but to trust Him and walk empowered by His Spirit. Paul attempted to explain this in, to the church at Corinth, which is a whole nother monster, right? Very spiritual church, but what spirits they were chasing, who knows? So Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.14, he says, But the natural man does not accept the things or the teachings of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he is incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated. Now, let me read this in, in its fullness. Kind of unpack a little bit of Greek here for you and watch how it reads. But the natural or the unbelieving or fleshly man does not accept the things, the teachings and the revelations, all right, of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, which means absurd or illogical to him. And he is inscapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated. And he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. You see, this is very important because what Jesus is saying, we've got to walk in his spirit to be able to judge, right, spiritual matters in order to be able to discern what God's will is, not just for us, but for the life of the church, for the life of our family, for the life of, of being Christians and following Jesus. We have to have that spiritual discernment, and that comes through his spirit, not from our flesh. Very important. Some believe that, that Jesus's power was limited to the age of the apostles. It would be called dispensationalism, uh, apostolic succession, if you will. Uh, and, and that is, is a belief. But if you've come to Christ and experienced the power of God, of course, um, that's, that's not all there is. Uh, and, and Jesus hasn't passed away and neither has his spirit. Right? And so we need to get comfortable yielding to his presence and his activity in our lives. When we don't, what happens is we believe in the resurrection, but we tend to stay in the grave instead of being empowered for the world that he's called us to. And through our new birth, that spiritual new birth, right? We, we men and women are empowered to do his work. Let me say it this way. In one age, in the old covenant, God visited the people. But in the new age, of course, the Spirit, God lives in His people. It's through His, His Spirit. So I didn't set out in this life to, to be a preacher. I, I didn't. I simply knelt down in the barracks and floor, on, on the barracks floor one day and said, God, I need you to show me your will for my life. And I will seek that out. And, and, and it, it was a journey. Church, you've heard my journey. It was a journey until one day, in some ways, I landed in the one hope of my calling. Now, there's a young man in Seymour that will be preaching and teaching this morning. Many of you know him. But when he was in college, a similar experience, he knelt down and he said, Lord, if this is all there is of you, if this is all there is, then it's not enough for me. So I need you to reveal yourself in a powerful way to me so that I know that I am empowered by your spirit for what your will is for my life. And of course, he's preaching and teaching this morning. There's another man in, in Muleshoe, Texas, right? He impacts thousands and he's a horse auctioneer. 
but impacts thousands, the multitudes from a place of muleshoe. And one day the Lord pulled him over in his pickup. He knelt down and yielded to the Spirit in the cab of his pickup, and he would forever be changed and empowered for God's glory. Oh, geez, how these stories go on forever. I mean, there's, a, there's another man who uh, was cowboy boss out at the feed yard, and his boss called me and said, this guy's family has broken up. I'd like for you to go out and minister to him. We prayed, and, and we, were, we were together in, and uh, through discipleship and other things that happened during that day and time. Today, he preaches at OKC West, and, and he too impacts hundreds and thousands of people, and his family has been reconciled, and powerful things are happening. It all happened through one word, yielding. Learning to yield to the Spirit of Jesus. See, Paul's apostolic prayer for the church at Ephesus was this. This is Ephesians chapter 3, and, and uh, men who are in brave hearts with me right now, of course, we're studying Ephesians, so I had to throw this in there. This is powerful scripture here. Ephesians 3, 14 through 20, all scripture is powerful, right? But this is really neat. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. That we would be strengthened through where? His Spirit in our inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love because God is love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. See, this new life is experienced in the realm of the Spirit, and that is the indwelling of Christ in the Spirit, Christ with us, Christ in us, and Christ upon us, so that we may as a people experience the fullness instead of emptiness. If you're empty out there today, church, listen to me. It, it is time to experience His fullness, and that comes through yielding to His Spirit. Those who seek Him, find Him. See, it's connection rather than disconnection. Wholeness instead of brokenness. Peace instead of anxiety, fear, and guilt. And in verse 20, Paul really sums it up. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works where? Within us. Within us. You know, the church up until about the 16th or 17th century didn't teach on the Holy Spirit. Very little, very little. And it took in some ways a reformation Right to experience the Holy Spirit, to surrender and yield. Now, I'm not after the Catholic Church by any means. I'm just saying it wasn't taught on very much. So here's the rub. It's according to the power working within us. And that power that works within us is known as faith. Faith is the currency that moves God. It's our belief, right? It doesn't put us back into works, but on the contrary, it puts us back into how and who do we believe in. How far will God take us? How much work will He do within us? It leads us to discover His sufficient power, His sufficient strength for our own lives that move us through a process of sanctification, of purification, if you will, over to a place of holiness. It simply implies that the realm of the Spirit in which we live, it is so present that it begs 
the question of how much of Him do we allow in our own lives. The story of a man in Seagraves. Uh, uh, years ago, let me, let me say, uh, in a church uh, way down south, years ago, Allison and I used to do revivals. Um, and we traveled the tri-state area on a regular basis, and we were asked to go down south and and actually do a revival. I didn't know the pastor down there, but uh, just through conversation on the phone, the church had had split over a couple of issues, and he wanted to pull it back together and and was doing all that he could. And so Allison and I took all of our equipment down there, set up, and and led them in worship the first night, and no one sung. And there was an older gentleman who sat on the second pew and crossed his arms, wouldn't stand for praise or wor- praise and worship or anything. And as he sat there, uh, I prayed for him and just in my spirit. And I prayed that God would reveal some things to me about this man. But he was hurting over the church split, over the breakup, over the things that had happened. And, and uh, I just continued to pray for him. And by the third night, as we were up there singing, and no one singing still with us. I mean, we've been there three nights. Usually you have some kind of breakthrough. We weren't going anywhere. And maybe we were too much in our own strength. I don't know. But as we prayed and as we were singing, a song kept going through my mind. And it was a song by Jars of Clay. They sung it years ago. And it, it, it had these lyrics, The sermon echoes through the walls. A great salvation calls to the people who stare into nowhere. Can they feel the chains on their souls? And as I sung, I, <laughs> I was singing different lyrics But those were the lyrics that I was hearing in my spirit. Do they feel the chains on their souls? And so I felt like the Lord said, just just preach. Just use the gift that I've given you. And I started preaching. And midway through the message, the older man that I was talking about stood up and began to walk forward towards me. I didn't know what was about to happen. And it, it, I had Allison have everyone stand up and she started leading some singing and he asked for prayer. And the next thing we knew, the altars were full. People began to reconcile. They began to reconnect. They began to put their, their own agendas aside in order for the agenda of Jesus because the Spirit moved upon them and within them. We cannot neglect the power of the Spirit See, it's in His fullness that we experience that joy, that passion, that reconnection, that purpose, that holiness in our lives. In this fullness, it's it's such a great place to dwell there. If I could just sit with you a while, remember the song? It's a powerful place to be. In the theological or educated world, there's two terms that we use to explain this, the orthodoxy and orthopraxy. And the only reason I throw this out because I feel like so oftentimes it's the orthodoxy that that we're always looking at, right? It's what we generally accept or believe, and and we're we're saying, well, I believe that, I don't believe that, I and and it doesn't have to do with the experiential or the practicum, the the putting it into practice, and that's the orthopraxy, right? So how do we put what's in us working through us in order to serve the world? Well, that's why it's so important to sit and yield to the Spirit and what the Spirit is saying to us. What would God be saying in your home right now? Is there some reconnection that needs to happen? Is there some yielding to the Spirit? Do you feel His peace? Do you feel His comfort? Are you living in fear or are you living in faith? Right? Jesus wants us to experience Him and let that experience 
of Him work into the lives of others. Let your light shine on a hill. Work with your hands in such a way that people see your good work and give glory to your heavenly Father. See, where most of us stumble is not what we believe about the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about what we believe about the Holy Spirit, but how we believe and how He gets put into practice in all matters of life. That's the orthopraxy, right? In Acts chapter 2, immediately after the Holy Spirit falls upon, Peter gets up, he begins to defend the Spirit, right? He preaches, he is empowered by the Spirit, and God places him in front of people who ask, what now must we do? To which Peter replies, repent and be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as well. So the first thing is repent. Look, as the people of God, I don't believe we ever walk out of repentance. It's always in our heart. There's always something to say, Lord, show me, reveal yourself to me. The word repentance comes from the word metanoia, to change one's mind. In order for that to happen, we must renew our minds in the strength and in the power of His Spirit. So we repent. Prideful people will not repent. They aren't going to change their minds, much less their behavior. Right? They will walk in their own power, in their own strength, in their own abilities, and their own inabilities. They might believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus might be their Savior, but they'll stay in the grave. There's not going to be life. There's not going to be fruit because they don't live in His Spirit. And then there's baptism that Peter repent and let each one of you be baptized. Next steps, it's the orthopraxy, if you will. You do what you believe. God in me is now God all over me. And then finally, to, to receive, let each one of you receive the Holy Spirit. Wait until the Holy Spirit falls upon you. Get in His presence. This is going to be very important over the next few weeks. Look, we can receive or reject. We can believe in the sacrificial lamb that was slain on behalf of our sins, and we can stay there, believing in the resurrection but never leaving the tomb. What a terrible thing in life. You won't experience the abundant life by staying in the tomb. Or we can humbly submit, we can yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit that He gives to us, and we can be empowered, encouraged, embraced, and comforted at this time. So let me ask you a question this morning, church. Where are you? Perplexed? Bewildered? Amazed? If you're in those three places, I'm telling you, over the next two to three weeks, God's going to move in your life mightily. Or are you mocking? Are you saying, oh, I don't believe in all that? And what is all that anyway? We're going to unpack what that looks like. It's not a God of disorder. Our God's a God of order, not a God of chaos. And so it's not, it, I'm not trying to turn everyone crazy charismatic, right? Maybe it's crazomatic. I don't know. What, what we're saying is, are we willing to, to yield to the Spirit and hear Him as His church as He leads us through His resurrection power. The gift of the Spirit. What a terrible thing if we're given a gift from God and we never unwrap it. So church, we'll be diving into the resurrection power and this gift that Jesus has given us in His Spirit. It's to our advantage that He goes. That's what He said. So that, that this Spirit would come, teach us, direct us, comfort us, offer us peace in a day and time when we desperately need that peace. Would you join me in a word of prayer?